It's very good to be here with you this day and uh, well, to be back as I've visited Eindhoven before. And it's a fascinating Sunday to be here as well at the beginning of the church year. As I noted, I know a lot of people have already put up their Christmas trees almost directly after Halloween because they wanted 2020 to end quickly. And I understand that. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, and it is a time when we look forward. We look forward because Advent itself means coming. We look forward and we also look back. We look back to the glorious birth of our Savior in Bethlehem 2,000 years plus ago. But we also look forward to his return, to his coming again. So Advent is, as was suggested in our hymns and in our prayers, a time of looking back but also looking forward, but a time when we also have to look out to be careful. We look out because we're told that the Lord's final coming is not going to be just about a victory of justice and righteousness. Finally, the Lord will come and clear up the mess in our world. We desperately want this, I should hope, for all wars to cease, for an end to sickness and pandemics. No more poverty and persecution. No more sickness and suffering. But one of the things, too, that Advent reminds us, and this can be kind of disturbing, but hopefully in a helpful way, is that the Lord is going to come to judge the earth. Jesus, in our gospel reading today, says, as people are gathered near him in his final days, near the temple, he spoke about how the temple, the physical building, would be no more. And he talks about the day of the Lord coming. He says, in these days and those days, Following distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, stars will fall, heavenly bodies will be shaken, and the Son of Man will come. Lo, he comes on clouds descending. This is, quite understandably, a kind of concerning and frightening vision that we receive but it's intended to wake us up, to prepare our hearts and minds and souls and our world for the Lord's coming. Jesus turns to 
the symbol of the fig tree. Perhaps it's the same tree that he had dismissed earlier when it did not yield fruit. But he talks about that fig tree now, the possibility of it putting out shoots that would signal that actually the end of the darkness in the world is coming. But you know, if we don't see these signs like he points out to us, we can be quite depressed and sad. So actually, it should be encouraging to be awake and attentive to the signs of the kingdom that are growing all around us. Jesus does say, be on guard, be alert. You don't know when the time will come. Watch out. Look out. Of course, this invitation concerns us with God's judgment on our behavior and our world. And, well, maybe some of you will be familiar with something that often happens this time of year, um, the celebration, the anticipation of both Santa Claus and Santa Claus in the Anglo-Saxon tradition. Back when I was a kid, um, we were, uh, were drenched with lots of... Uh, pre-Christmas music, one of which is this now an 86-year-old uh, classic, um, which goes, you better watch out, you better not cry. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. And it goes on. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, admittedly, because of the various cultural interpretations of the tradition of Santa Claus, um, there's a slightly different perception of him here in the Netherlands. But one Dutch verse does capture this sentiment, too. Wie zoet is, krijgt lekkers. Wie stout is, de roe. So, there is and has been, even in this lovely tradition that is so warm and cuddly for our children, a bit of a warning about how we live our lives here in anticipation, not just of Santa Claus's coming every year, but of Christ's coming. That wonderful song, goodness, over 200 artists have sung versions of it, all the way from Bing Crosby and uh, Frank Sinatra to The Temptations and Mariah Carey, Bruce Springsteen and Michael Bublé. However joyful those voices can make this song, it is quite concerning. It paints a rather Big Brother-like picture of Santa Claus. He's looking out for you. Whatever you do, be careful. Some of us also perceive God this way, too. And it creates nervousness and anxiousness in our hearts. 
And that is understandable. And actually, as I suggested, we are supposed to see these actually as health warnings. So many of the paradoxical and puzzling parables that Jesus spoke. Perhaps you've been following them the last month like we have in Matthew's Gospel. Very concerning stories about how it's going to end up for unprepared bridesmaids, for uh, the servant who didn't want to invest his talent, and so forth. But as I've come to understand these pictures and these parables don't paint the character of God. They are intended as prophetic warnings to encourage us to wake up and be prepared. And of course, we never know of the time of the Lord's coming. Jesus warns us about that. Only the Father knows. But as a Boy Scout, I was always taught, be prepared even if we know that we can never be completely prepared for anything, let alone COVID-19. But we need nonetheless to prepare ourselves constantly and well, but not in a panicky way, with faith and trust in the Lord who will deliver us. That is his promise. So when we think about, you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Well, yes, the Lord is coming, bigger than St. Nicholas, even though St. Nicholas is a wonderfully generous saint that we respect. But yes, Advent reminds us to think about the birth of Christ and the joy that that brings, but also to think about our own judgment and how we live our lives. Traditionally, down through the centuries, through the Sundays of Advent, as was suggested um, in our lighting of the Advent wreath, the typical themes were things like death, judgment, hell. Fortunately, the last one was heaven, which is the one that we were supposed to focus on ultimately to get us through those other ones. And I know that one spiritual writer whom I love to read, David Adam, he, when told by his training minister when he was just a starting amateur, a curate, he said, okay, you need to cover death, judgment, hell, and heaven in your sermons in Advent. He said, yes, yes, of course, but let's not lose sight of that final prospect, heaven and heaven and earth being united. So through those other passages and periods, he also sought to look to the light of Christ and the joy that Christ's coming will and should bring. We are supposed to glory in this. It is a great joy, even if we do walk through dark times. As one saint, St. Irenaeus, once said, the glory of God is a human fully alive. That is a wonder here on earth. And we look forward to God's glory every time we come together in prayer. Every time we celebrate the Last Supper. 
which is not just looking back, but looking forward to the community and the communion that we have with all who believe. The sacrifice that Christ made for us that produces our salvation. We celebrate what we call the Eucharist, which just means thanksgiving. We just had one version of Thanksgiving a couple of days ago. And yes, Black Friday. And I don't know about you here uh, in the relative south, but it was a quite a gray Saturday for us yesterday. <laughs> but we're moving to brightness. That is where God is leading us through his Son. So, Paul reminds his friends in Corinth of the great power and joy that is coming and that already is in place in the hearts and fellowship of believers. He writes his friends in Corinth, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And I always give thanks to my God for you because of the grace, the great gift that you have been given in Christ Jesus. For in him you've been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all kinds of knowledge. And boy, that's the case here in Eindhoven. It's glorious. God is thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you here do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Paul goes on with his friends in Corinth to point up some issues that they needed to resolve. And I'm glad that the reading continued to verse 10 because unity was a question and a challenge for Corinth. And basically, I think pretty much every church I've ever been involved in but thankfully, if Christ is at the center and the Spirit guides us and we look to God, then we are one together, even if we have differences. And Paul helps the Corinthians see beyond their differences to see their unity in Christ. Something for which we all give great thanks. So we look forward. We look forward with hope and joy, even in dark times. Let us use this time of Advent as a time of preparation for the joy of the coming of the Lord. Sometimes that preparation is a necessary cleansing, a clarification to, in a sense, distract us away from our distractions towards what we should be motivated by and seeking. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're supposed to be praying that for ourselves, in ourselves and for our world. This is what we live for. And the good old fig tree is sprouting to show that. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The dark times will pass, but we all look forward to even brighter days and joy in the Lord. Amen.